It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. We remain in the slow trickle of the budget process. Seems like all of the action as it pertains to the budget is happening behind closed doors. It is Thursday afternoon. We're recording. We saw a lot of action yesterday between the Senate and House leadership, including the budget chairs. They marched over to Senator Phil Berger's office and had meetings behind closed doors. Do not know what was said in the room, but we do know things are not going very well between the budget negotiators. In the Insider this morning, Senator Berger was quoted saying, at this point, I would say, we're really not making much progress. And then I saw that Representative Sane uh, took a screenshot of that and tweeted and said, accurate. It's not going as planned. I talked to a Senate budget writer yesterday And the plan was that they would work through this weekend and try to get through some of the differences that may still happen, but it did not sound likely that it would happen. I think that they are back in their respective corners. We've got some offers that have been on the table, offers that have been rejected. The September 15th deadline has been out there as a possible deadline where we get a final budget. Just a little reminder, September is next week. This week, we heard budget writers are saying, yeah, we might have a budget before fall. Yes. So we're, we're already moving to the third week in September. Kicking the can down the road. I mean, a legislative tradition, some would say. Yeah, yeah. So Not me, others were saying it. Yeah, of course. So, you know, you planned on that September vacation. Your, your August vacation's done, <laughs> uh, but you didn't get to go there. Some or, people went ahead and took vacations this week. Yeah. Senator Rabin, for That's, example. Yeah, Rabin hit, hit, uh, hit the road. He, is in, he was in Alaska. How do you hit the road to Alaska? Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's gone and... It, I talked to his legislative assistant yesterday, and she said uh, he has no cell service, and that was intentional. So the Senate specifically went ahead, forged forward with taking up some big items this week. So a couple of things will just tick off pretty quickly. Senate Bill 300, which is that criminal justice bill that we have been following for weeks and weeks, the Senate concurred. And it is on the governor's desk now. That bill is sponsored by Senator Danny Britt. (laughs) (laughs) This week on I Know Danny Britt, Brian saw him on the street last night and then has said to me about three or four times, where do you think he was going? (laughs) Well, the embarrassing thing about seeing Senator Danny Britt walking down the street (laughs) is that... You and I were heading into a restaurant, and I held the door for him to come into the restaurant, but he kept walking. <laughs> so, Actually, let's just have a podcast of times you embarrassed yourself in front of Danny Fritz. <laughs> like the time when my palms were sweating and I kept rubbing my, my pants. Yeah, or the time you tried to talk to him, but he was talking to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those happen. 
That's on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so wherever you were going, Senator Britt, I hope it was fun. <laughs> oh my God, you're too much for me. <laughs> okay. okay. <clears throat> also, another bill that we've talked about for weeks and weeks on the podcast, the child marriage bill was signed into law today, so that is now law. We're going to cover a couple of things that the Senate discussed that maybe are not completely finished. One of the speaker's big bills for this session is his rioting bill. I think it's House Bill 805, Prevent Riot and Civil Disorder. You might recall that that passed the House, I don't know, a couple months ago, maybe a month ago. But it passed the House eighty with 88 votes. So a lot of Democrats joined in. It passed the Senate, and there were there were some changes made over in the Senate, but it passed the Senate along party lines. So that's going to be interesting to watch that come back over to the House, see if they concur on that, or if there's a conference committee appointed for that bill as well. I'll be watching to see if those Democrats who supported that House bill as it was leaving that chamber, if they are going to stay on. It seems... They are maybe following the lead of Governor Cooper, who has expressed some concerns about the bill. Another bill that created a good bit of controversy this week and had a few different hearings is the anti-critical race theory bill. Fireworks in committee on Tuesday. We saw the lieutenant governor, Mark Robinson, who presented the bill with Senator Phil Berger, The bill was presented, and then there were questions, mainly from Democrats, and Senator Jay Chaudhry, who has been on the podcast, made an assertion that this was a bill being trumped up, he said, by Fox News, and Lieutenant Governor Robinson lost it. So about an hour or two before that committee meeting, Lieutenant Governor Robinson and Senator Berger had a press conference where they talked about the lieutenant governor's facts committee and the report that they're putting out. And he had been soliciting public feedback about critical race theory and had gotten comments from parents and students and compiled that into, I mean, it's a hefty report. And so that was released right before they began to move that bill through committee. So it went through education and then rules and then was on the floor today. Mm-hmm. And so, we, again, we, we saw some things in the committee as it was being heard that we hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, there, the audience was packed. That's common, especially on a controversial bill. But we heard clapping. Uh, We heard some uh, complaints being lodged from the audience. Senator Michael Lee from New Hanover County was presiding over the committee, and he had to remind guests that, you know, clapping isn't allowed, and you don't just speak from the gallery. But the exchange between Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, I won't even call it an exchange. He just responded and said that Senator Chaudhry and others were driving him nuts, and he raised his voice, and then he just walked out of the committee. Senator Berger is left there to present the bill. He looked uncomfortable. I mean, 
Senator Berger, he enjoys debate. He has a respect for the Senate and senators' right to question bills. But it was a very uncomfortable time in that committee. It did calm down. The bill had its hearing and it passed. And then it goes to the Senate floor where we see more debate. And again, passed strictly along party lines. This is one that changed from the House to the Senate. So I, again, there may be a conference committee appointed for that. But even over on the House side, it was strictly along party lines. So let's say that the bill goes to the governor. He's going to veto that. And when it comes back, it does not look like they could override that veto. But I'll bring the popcorn. We'll sit back. We're here for the show. You know, an issue we've been talking about on the podcast over the last month or so has been the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. There was a proposal that was floating around the General Assembly that would essentially take away their governing authority. It would dissolve them. Yeah, essentially. And it's all about the $40 million in assets and then some other issues senators especially have had, House members as well. We saw a compromise that came out yesterday. We referenced this in an earlier podcast. There was this big meeting between the High School Athletic Association, Senator Sawyer, Senator Johnson, Majority Leader John Bell. It sounds like that meeting, while it was a closed-door meeting, produced compromise legislation that is going to allow the High School Athletic Association to stay in this governing role over, over sports However, there are some stipulations and guidelines that they must adhere to and will be held accountable for with the General Assembly. That was in committee this morning over on the Senate side. And after Senator Sawyer presented the new version of the bill, they had a member of the State Board of Education speak and say that they were involved in the process and they supported what the Senate was doing. Once again, medical marijuana went through the Senate Judiciary Committee for, I think, the fourth time. And then today it was in healthcare, And there was an amendment today that was 16 pages long on that bill. The entire bill is only 24 pages. So some big regulatory changes in that amendment. And just of note, as we said, Senator Rabin is not in the General Assembly this week. That bill was presented by his co-primary sponsor, Senator Michael Lee. So we've talked about the Senate a lot, but the House was in and out this week. Yeah, They came in on Tuesday, had session, some committee meetings, and then came back in Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., had session, I think it was over by like 10.45, and got the heck out of Dodge. Which was surprising, I think, not just to lobbyists, this was surprising to legislators. The idea was that they were going to work on Wednesday and Thursday, and then all of a sudden it's announced that they're released. And I think a lot of folks thought, you know, this would just dovetail into the weekend where budget negotiations would happen. I don't know if it's related to the conflict going on about the budget, but yeah, we saw a very short week. The Senate, of course, working today. This week, we welcomed Representative Chris Humphrey to the podcast. 
The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Chris Humphrey, welcome to the podcast. It is great to be here. Could you start off by just telling us a little bit about your district? Why do you think your district is special? Well, you know, like I told you off air, I've listened to every podcast, so I've got to be creative here because uh, I know you have <laughs> a lot of loyal listeners. And, uh, well, you know, we're, uh, we're tucked away kind of in no man's land. We're just outside the coastal area of North mm-hmm. Carolina. And uh, it, being an insurance agent, I tell my underwriters this all the time, I and mean, we don't have wind, we have wind rates with with wind coverage. But mm-hmm. um, you know, our district's really small. Lenore County has been uh, it's been one of those counties that kind of has been left behind, I think, through the years because we're right there between Goldsboro and uh, and Greenville. So mm-hmm. we cover a little bit of Pitt County. I have Aiden and Grifton, but mostly all of Lenore County and you know our district has great people we've got uh you know a lot of famous people from from Lenore County like who you know I'm a UNC guy so most of our famous people are athletes Jerry Stackhouse Reggie Bullock um, Quentin Copels uh Cahadre Hooker I'll throw him a shout out um he played at NC State in East Carolina but a lot of pro pro athletes from there. I'm know. sure they're all listeners. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. We'll make sure they they, they tune in. Yeah, and uh, Cedric Cornbread, Maxwell, and of course Jamie Presley's from Kinston. That's right. Um, so I'm happy to represent them and you know try to trying to do some good things for them. You came to the General Assembly by defeating an incumbent Democrat. Can you talk about what led you up to that point where you decided you were going to take on an incumbent, which is not an easy feat in, in any political race to take on an incumbent, but what, what got you into politics? Well, I was, uh, I actually, I went to Lenore Community College for two years before I served, um, before I transferred to UNC. Um, I was active in student government in high school, was SGA president at Lenore Community College, and then went on to Chapel Hill and uh, got involved in Young Republicans. You could put us in a phone booth back then. And, and I think Speaker Moore and I were, were in that group together. Um, but from there, I, uh, I served on the LaGrange Town Council. I got elected as a Republican, which hardly ever happens in, in LaGrange, but it's a nonpartisan election. But I got to know the people. I mean, LaGrange is majority African-American. I had a small business there, and I, I just, you know, I just always treat people, I, I don't care where you're from or what you look like or how you dress or what you drive. I mean, I, I'm just, you know, I've just always been that way. I was raised that way. So from there, I, I, I went on to run for county commissioner and a long time, long-term commissioner decided not to run again. So they, they invited me in and, you know, just made sure I didn't kick, kick my dog or beat my wife, you know, mm-hmm. all those tough questions. They vetted me and they said, you know, we, we see you're real active in the community. We want you to run for that. So, from there, I served as, as a commissioner for eight years. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but in 2010, I actually 
ran for state senate against my good friend Brent Jackson. Okay. And uh, lost in the Republican primary, and we had a we had a healthy race. I mean, obviously he, you know, he had he had Sampson County. It was Sampson, Duplin, Lenore, the singing senator represented that area. Charlie uh, Albertson. Charlie Albertson, yeah. Well, you know Charlie if you're from Keenansville, right? That's right. right. So, um, and Brent went on to to win, but gosh, I went all around the world to answer your question. So, I was out of politics for a while. I, I you know, I mortgaged my house. I mean, I I just did all kinds of crazy stuff. And I had a good friend of mine before I ran. He looked at some polling data and uh, he said, "Man, I don't. I just don't think you can you can win." And uh, this guy's a numbers guy. You may know him. His name's Jim Perry. And uh, <laughs> we've heard of him. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I should have listened to him back then. But he, you know, Jim's a straight shooter. He doesn't mince words, and he uh, was forthright, and and he was absolutely right. So uh, fast forward, and we knew. Well, I, I wasn't really following politics. I mean, I knew that there was a long term incumbent and uh, he, he was doing okay no no big concern but i did serve with with him in the as a county commissioner he was our board chair and mm. i always said he was one of the best politicians i'd ever met i mean he just good guy nice guy and whatever and um actually senator perry called me up well he was jim at the time and he said look man this district's changing we we think it's going to change and it looks to be pretty winnable for conservative. I said, man, no, I'm not, I'm not interested. He said, well, we'll give it some thought, you know, and uh, called me back a couple of days later. I said, no, man, look, I, I, I'm just not, I'm in a good place right now. He said, look, here, here's, the, here's the thing. He says, winnable district. He said, I've crunched the numbers. You can raise money, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll help you any way I can. We, you know, we've got some people that will support you. And I said, well. Let me think about it. And so I did, and, you know, he's, he wouldn't take no for an answer. But um, I, I felt honored that, that you know, I, I had the support to mm -hmm. – and, and, and I wanted to see some data that would – I didn't want to go through what I went through in 2010 where I mm -hmm. ran on a hunch. You, you know, I tell, I, tell early, I tell young politicians, now, don't run on a hunch. You better raise money, and you gotta, you got to have some support. And you got to be able to win if – if it's not winnable, if you think you can win, that's one thing, but you better crunch the numbers. Incumbent, you defeated. It sounds like you have a lot of respect for him. What was that like after you do defeat him? I mean, you had a relationship with him on the board. What's that like? Yeah, you, you know, we I, we hadn't served together in a while. And, you know, I reached out to him and just said, hey, look, no, nothing personal. I mean, the, the, the campaign got pretty – it got pretty rough, mm -hmm. you know, and as a candidate, you can't control a lot of what goes out. You know, I, I told I told my, my folks, I said, look, I don't want to beat this guy up. You know, I mean, we've all we all have some skeletons in our closet, you know, and he, he had he had a couple of public um, issues. And uh, but boy, the C4s went after him. Yeah, I mean, he ran some ugly ads and. You know, I had a lot of people in the community call me up and, and were upset about it. And I said, look, I don't have anything to do with it. And, and I think some of them believed me and some didn't. But uh, but we, we tried to educate after the last couple of, you know, after the last campaign. We, Senator Perry and I both told people we did not have anything to do with these negative ads. Um, but so the, the relationship 
when we're in Rotary together yeah. back home, and you know we we're cordial, and he gets it. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he's been in politics a long time, so he understands that as uh, former representative George Graham. I mean, he yeah. understands the yeah. the way it works. So, but. And it's still a swing district, right? I mean, you still have to fight every election. Uh, you, I know we're going through the redistricting process now. Who knows what you're, what it looks like? It's better or worse. But you have, to, according to your colleagues, you still have to scrap every election, right? Yeah, the the I mean, it's majority Democrat district, and uh, I'm a long term Republican, but I I consider myself moderate. I'm not a I'm not a gunslinger. I'm not trying to make you look bad or, or I don't like beating up the governor. I mean, you know, I mean, he's human too. I mean, I don't agree with everything that's happened in the last two or three years. I mean, with all these executive orders that have hurt small businesses, but you know, overall, um, that, that's just not my personality, not right. my style. People say I'm laid back and you know, that that's just the way I, the way I like to operate. I don't like a lot of, a lot of drama, a lot of, um, controversy that sort of thing you know so you don't like a lot of drama or controversy but you have always kind of been in politics from what I'm hearing where did you grow up did you grow up in North Carolina and how did you decide at a young age you were going to start becoming active in the political world yeah I I was born actually in Wilson but I grew up in Lenore County I went to elementary school all through public high public school all, all in Lenore County but my dad used to watch 60 Minutes all the time and you know I just Charles Corralt just kind of captured my attention you know that that deep southern Carolina voice and uh, I don't know I I just I, I guess I always I, I like to kind of be in the know in the community and like to know hey who's the new person moving in town who's the new new guy or or lady that's opening a new business and uh, I guess that's kind of where I don't know I've been in sales all my life Uh, I don't consider myself a great salesperson but you know I've just always asked a lot of questions and uh, just tried to get to know people and I've joined the Masonic Lodge I was an Eagle I'm an Eagle Scout I've been active in the community forever Rotary uh, Civitans, you know, mm-hmm. Chamber of Commerce, was a LaGrange Chamber president and, I, and still a member of the Kenston Lenore County Chamber. So I've just always tried to stay involved. And that kind of is a natural progression, I think, mm-hmm. because you get, you, you got to build a network of people to mm-hmm. whether you want to build a business or whether you want to be in politics. It just kind of, it kind of worked out. Um, my parents, neither one went to college. My dad went to ECU, but he didn't, he dropped out. My, you know, my mom worked in the school system, and you know, we're, we were simple folks. We we grew up in a modest home, and you know, I even qualified for free lunch growing up. I Did mean, you really? Yeah, and my parents wouldn't let me, wouldn't let. I've got a younger brother and sister, and they wouldn't let us take free lunch. They 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 decided we we should take reduced lunch, which they didn't want us to be embarrassed. I think now yeah. when you go to school, they that embarrassment is is taken away, but. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, we weren't dirt poor. I thought we, you know, we had a nice brick home, and I, I thought things were great, but we were we were barely scraping by, you know. So. When did you decide, I think I'm going to be a Republican in Lenore <laughs> County? Well, that's an interesting story. So I registered as a Democrat because okay. in Lenore County, um, you, you had to be a Democrat to 
you know, to vote in the, pri- in the primary, to, you know, to feel like you really had a voice. So I registered as a Democrat. I go to Carolina. It's a pretty hot election between Harvey Kent and Jesse Helms. Okay. So I'm walking across campus, and um, some activist comes up to me and says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a Harvey Gantt supporter. Are you going to vote for Harvey Gantt? I said, no, man, I'm voting for Jesse Helms. And that guy dressed me down and made me feel about this big. I mean, he em- almost embarrassed me. I, you know, I, t- I, have, I talk a little funny. I mean, I know I've got an accent. And, you know, I don't know if he thought the way I talk. Maybe he thought I was, you know, ignorant or what it was. Mm-hmm. But it hit me wrong. I mean, and. I was just minding my own business. But I said, no, I'm going to vote for Jesse. And he said, would, you know, he just said a lot of choice words. And I said, I'll tell you what, you just helped the Republican Party because I'm going home this weekend, Friday afternoon, I'm going straight to Board of Elections and I'm changing parties. And that's what I did, you know, because I'm like, why, why would I want to be in a party where you, you belittle people and you talk down to them? And, and that wasn't the case, mm-hmm. I, you know, but I didn't know. I was, I was 19 years old. And uh, I just, I don't know, it didn't sit well with me. Um, I, I know that if you're from the South, sometimes people think we're ignorant. And they, they just think we, you know, and that, that bothers me because there's several schools of thought. And sometimes you feel like if you're not this way or that way, others think you're, you're ignorant. I saw a photograph today that I am not allowed to share in the episode notes, but I did see a photograph, graduation of you, Representative, and a young speaker, Tim Moore. And I understand, well, you went to college with him. Did you ever have an idea that he was going to be speaker and you were going to be serving in the House with him? We had several classes together, and I got to know him because he was a lot like me. I mean, we were young and kind of goofy, and you know. but he got up to speak in class one day, and I said, this guy's sharp. I mean... He's going places, and we, we were in Young Republicans together, and uh, I went to a couple of meetings, and, and, you know, he was kind of in charge, and I'm like, you know, this guy, he's got something. There's something about him I like. You know, he's a rural North Carolina guy. We're from two different parts of the state. He's far west. I'm near far east, and, you know, I, we just got along, and uh, – I don't know why we took picture took that picture back then. I have no idea. I, I don't even know who took the picture. Obviously, in 1992, we didn't have cell phones and didn't have mm-hmm. cameras uh, on our phones. Obviously, so uh, but that that picture just popped up, and I you know I share it every chance I get up here. I mean, it gives me a little <laughs> bit of credibility, I guess, in some circles. And of course, he hasn't changed, and I've my hair's turned gray and <laughs> white, and uh, so. He looks just like he did in 92, yeah. but he's lost some weight since then. So, <laughs> Did you stay in contact with him as you guys entered into your careers, or was it a situation where you, you show up at the, at the house one day and you say, hey, we went to college together? You know, we, we may have stayed in contact just a few years after graduation, but other, other, other than that, I just kind of followed him through the news and, you know, when I decided to run, I mean, I, I reached out to him, and, and, oh, he was excited. So in the General Assembly, you chair the insurance committee. 
I do. Can you explain to listeners exactly what the purview is of the insurance committee? Mitchell Setzer and I co-chair the committee, and uh, he's a great person to lean on because, you know, being a new chair, um, I didn't realize you had that much power. But we, and, and we don't really meet a whole lot. There's there's some bills go- coming through now that are that are going to be interesting. I don't I won't say they're controversial, but um, you know anything insurance related. Whether it's health insurance or car insurance or um, just bills related to Department of, of Insurance, they they flow through our committee and we vet them and you know we have all the stakeholders come and speak for or against a bill and uh, Representative Setzer, he's a he, he, he's a, he's a fun guy to learn under you know so uh, so I'm I'm glad he's there to kind of kind of give me some guidance. Don't you think Representative Setzer should come on the podcast? Oh gosh, it would be it. You, he might beat out Danny Britt for the most <laughs> listeners. I mean, I would pay to hear that one. Uh, Majority Leader Bell has been leaning on him, but he has declined our offer. Well, I, I'll see what I can do. Okay. I'll see what I, can do. I mean, I don't have as much pull as Leader Bell, but uh, you are co-chair with. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He might owe me a favor or two, so uh, I'll see what I can do. In a battle between the House insurance agents and the Senate insurance agents, who would win? Boy, there's there's a few more Senate insurance agents. Okay. I mean, Bergen, Sawyer, Johnson, Corbin. See, I lost Corbin. I had Corbin over there, but I don't. Let's see, Mark Pless. Now, Mark Pless, we put him in that hazmat suit he was wearing down in Haywood County. We might can take him. Okay. Because he, I don't know if you saw the photograph. I, I yeah, did, yeah. yeah. That I mean, was dramatic. Yeah, that, that was a... Covered head to toe. National Geographic moment there. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so if I could play a big boy, so, but he could take Johnson. I think you might be the first person who has come in to the podcast and said that you have your magic wand with you. So I just need everyone to close their eyes and picture his magic wand if you had that magic wand to fix one thing in our politics today, what would you fix? Oh, you had it. Harry Potter fans are ready. Yes. <laughs> so I think nothing starts on time in Raleigh. Nothing starts. There is no sense of time. And I uh, hope I'm not stepping on any toes. But you, you, we need, I was always taught you show up on time, you, you, know, you get started on time, you end on time. Um, and I think that frustrates a lot of members. I know a lot of my, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they, they seem frustrated, but we are too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Politicians have always notoriously been late. Mm. And I have tried my best t- to show up. When I tell you I'm going to do something, I try to do it. My dad always said, your word is your bond. And... Uh, but politicians make excuses. We're known for it. I mean, I, it's easy to do, and uh, I'm just trying to be a – I'm trying to do politics better that way. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to – if I give you my word and I tell you I'm going to vote on a bill, I try to do it. I've had a time or two, I'll tell you this, and I've told some lobbyists to their face I was going to support them. And I had to call them back and say, look, I, I, some more information came to light. I'm sorry. I, I just can't – I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weren't very happy with me, but they appreciated the fact that I did didn't go back. I mean, I you know I, I let them know, and mm-hmm. uh, I've always tried not to make any promises. And if somebody says you're going to vote for this bill, I'm like, 
I'm going to try to. I mean, I'm, I, I don't see why not, but there's always something that pops up, right? So. Yeah. So do you think this keeping to a, a timeline, keeping to your word, you think that improves maybe what a lot of legislators are feeling, that they're just here waiting, and they've got family waiting on them, businesses, careers, you think that improves it just by improving morale, I guess? I, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you know that you can you can leave and go home and have dinner at your own kitchen table, I mean, that that makes you feel better. And it might make you more amenable to a, to a piece of legislation, you know. Uh, so, I don't know. That, that time piece is important. But it's a challenge. It is. It's very President Bush of you. <laughs> Didn't he notoriously start meetings early or on time all the time? Yeah. And we we definitely do that in insurance committee. As long as I'm chairing the uh, committee, I mean, unless some something crazy happens, we will always start my committee meetings on time. So yeah, well, I know we would appreciate that. Yeah, and having we it seems like we do a lot of waiting. If you're going to be late, just kind of keep us updated. It's like being on the airplane. You're sitting on the tarmac, and you know you got a you've got a pilot that doesn't tell you anything. That drives me crazy. But lately, most pilots kind of tell you what's what's up. So uh, you know. All right. Seems like an easy task. Yeah. yeah. Just get on the PA and tell us what's going on. That all would right. be good. Well, Representative Chris Humphrey, we appreciate all you do for your district, all you do for the state. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast. I've been waiting this invitation for a long time, and I appreciate it. I got excited when I saw the message today. So Great. Thank you. We appreciate Representative Humphrey stopping by and joining us on the podcast. You know, he's, he's really an easy guy to talk to, just kind of laid back, conversational, easy going. And, you know, that's how his colleagues describe him as well. He's, he's just a, a great guy to be around. Without budget processes this weekend, kind of a long weekend for the General Assembly, what are you looking for next week? No colonoscopies scheduled, anything like that? No, that's all behind me now, no pun intended. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> You're a joke maker. I am. I suspect that next week, it's going to be more sitting around waiting to hear what's coming out of the corner offices. The House sounds to me like they are being very proactive with offers, and the Senate is not going along with those offers. I think the rub may be around the taxes and the tax cuts that the Senate wants to make. They're more aggressive. They're more compact over the years. I think the House certainly agrees with them that tax cuts are in order, but they would like to spread out those tax cuts over a longer period of time. It's going to take a while to work through this. So I think next week we will see that a lot of closed-door meetings. We'll likely see some caucuses as they talk about, hey, this is where they want us to go. And then in the meantime, it seems like legislation, and this is interesting, big legislation continues to move. In past sessions, my experience has been 
a lot of these bills are held hostage waiting for, you know, once we get the budget, yeah, then we'll start hearing your bills. They seem to still be working. And bills are going to the governor's desk. Some are going to be vetoed. But I think next week, it's, it's a waiting game, especially for the lobbyists out there working on the budget. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. So Katie Rogers was over here this morning, and she tweeted out a picture of our branded coasters. Not to brag, but that was a gift for your 50th birthday from me. With our graphic, our Do Politics Better graphic on it. And it seemed to get a lot of traffic on Twitter. We had a lot of listeners retweet Katie's tweet or reply to it saying that we need merchandise, which immediately sent my imagination just running. And I, I'm thinking we need a Do Politics Better store. Wow, a full store. Full online store. Yeah. So coasters, water bottles, jackets, jackets, sweatshirts, stop, socks, socks. We need do politics better socks. We gotta. We'll just get. We'll just part of the do politics better store. Will just be socks that say Danny Britt. (laughs) Danny Britt. We should do politics better muscle milk. We could do it all, Sky. Wow. The world is our oyster. Yeah. You know, we got we got Brian Turner out there, Representative Brian Turner out there selling zipper merge merchandise. I mean, we can do this. If you come by our office, by the way, we now have this great big graphic that's on our front door here. It's on only stuff. like four times the size of the new frame sign. It is. So here on South Blunt Street, come by and see us. You will see the big Do Politics Better signs. Yeah, we got to get people posters the whole night. You can come by and see us and drink some of this fancy bourbon that Brian has. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bottles of. Yeah, that's what people give you when you turn 50. Other people say bourbon, I say coasters. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate Katie tweeting. We appreciate her coming by today, too. It was great to, to sit with her and interview Representative Brian Farkas, who will be on the podcast in... Two weeks. One week. He's, oh, he's next week, yeah. yeah. He's on next week. Cool. We've talked before that both of your children are headed off to college, so... Your son is already at college, but your daughter is leaving next week. Yeah, we get on an airplane next week, and I'm taking Isabel to Sarah Lawrence College, which is just north of New York City. They start classes the Tuesday after Labor Day, but it is official. We kind of had this two-week window between Allen starting NC State and Isabel leaving, and Isabel likes to stop by the office, and it's just going to be a lot different. It's so difficult to think about not only your kids going to college, but she's going, you know, states away. Mm -hmm. And I'm not looking forward to it. I'm excited for her. I'm excited for Alan. Alan's loving NC State. But yeah, it's it's going to get real next week for me and Julie. We promised listeners last week, Sky, that we would give an update 
on your doubleheader played last week. You were on this kickball team with mm-hmm. some staffers from the General Assembly. How did your doubleheader fare? Well, we won one game and we lost one game. I was driving to the game and it, my car said it was 99 degrees. It was so hot, Brian. But we had fun. Mm-hmm. And people say that's what matters. <laughs> Not me, but other people. <laughs> <laughs> I think winning matters. I have, I have a couple questions I'd like to ask you. Okay, um, proceed. Yes. <laughs> give me the give me what was the difference in your win and your loss what happened to we the team? started with a win so I think just we ran out we were tired and it was so hot I can't stress that enough and other people didn't bring snacks so they probably needed a little fuel between games mm-hmm. so I think that that's something that's I mean hand up that was on me okay I took snacks for myself but not for others that checks out. <laughs> um, how did Carl Gilmore play? Your, I mean, he's Carl, your star third baseman. I, you sent yeah. me some video footage. Thank you for that. You know, Carl is my boy. Yeah. And Carl's a star. Yeah. There's no denying it. He did fight with the ump yeah. for a good four to five minutes. Yeah. That delayed our game a little bit. But you know what? You... Forge ahead, Carl. You forge ahead. And he admitted he was wrong. So (laughs) apparently in kickball, if you foul off, that third strike, if he foul off, it counts as a strike. And Carl was arguing baseball rules (laughs) to this kickball umpire. And the kickball umpire pointed out to Carl that he was bringing baseball rules to a kickball game. And he Mm -hmm. was corrected. And I understand that Carl Gilmore... He also brought a fishing hat to a kickball game. He did. Yeah. But Carl Gilmore, in his fishing bucket hat... Which he said is his signature. Yeah, it's his signature. Did He he stood down. He did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, another question. How did you play? Uh, Mediocre at best. Uh, What was your batting or kicking average? Um... I think I popped out once or twice mm-hmm. and then was on base the rest of the time. Did you score? Yeah. Okay. Multiple times. I hear you. All right. All right. Well, this is good. You play again tonight. We play tonight at 630. Well, good luck to you and the team. I believe that's all we have for the week. So have a great weekend. Have a great week ahead. Enjoy New York City. And... We will see you next week, but remember, you can listen to us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Like, share, tell your friends about us, not about us personally, just about the podcast, and remember to do politics better. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Do Politics. What is this? What are you doing? <laughs> narrating the <a> book. <laughs> I'm gonna pee myself. It reminds me, the way I was saying that reminds me of like a nighttime radio show, you know? The Quiet Storm. <clears throat>